Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Today's episode of the podcast is a birth story episode. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. This is episode number 58. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me today. Well, today's episode is a birth story and birth story episodes are some of my favorite because they give me a glimpse into birth in a way that I don't get when I'm practicing as an OBGYN. So I always love and appreciate women coming on to share their stories. 
And today, Savannah joins us to share her birth story. Savannah Perry is a dermatology physician assistant in Augusta, Georgia. She is passionate about the physician assistant career, and she loves to help others discover the potential of being a PA and actually turn that potential into a reality through the PA platform. Now, after having her daughter and realizing how amazing it is to be a mom, Savannah went part-time as a physician assistant to be home more with her daughter and husband. However, she hasn't been able to sit still, so she's now venturing into opening an online boutique for children's clothing called Bow and Gal. Now, Savannah had a pretty uneventful pregnancy and an uncomplicated birth, but she did have some issues postpartum that really helped her to understand that even as a medical professional, and she also happens to be married to a physician as well, You have to be flexible during your pregnancy and birth, and you must pay attention to your body and be ready to advocate for yourself. So you are going to learn something for sure from Savannah's story today. Now, before we get into the episode, let's do a quick listener shout out. This is a review left by K to the Q, and I love that name. The title of the review says, this podcast is the real MVP. And the review says, thank you, Dr. Rankins, for creating this extensive and relevant platform that is literally walking me through my first pregnancy. I love that I found this podcast early on in my journey. It's like everything I've been wondering or concerned about already has a recorded session. As a woman who is looking forward to being a mother but terrified of the birthing process, this podcast has been exactly what I needed to calm my fears and get the knowledge I need to make informed decisions for me and my baby. And then there are four purple hearts. Well, thank you. Thank you, K to the Q for that lovely review. I really appreciate it. And I am glad that I have been able to help calm some of your fears and give you knowledge so you do not have to be terrified of the birthing process. All right. So without further ado, why don't we go ahead and hop on into this birth story episode with Savannah. Thank you so much, Savannah, for coming on to the podcast. I am super excited to have you come on and share your birth story. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to revisit it. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family, your work, if you want to. Sure. So um, my name is Savannah Perry. I'm in Georgia, born and raised, never really left, went to UGA, and (laughs) um I went to college in Georgia. I went to Spelman. So oh, really? I lived in Georgia for a bit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone has somehow usually come to Georgia or done something here. So um, I like it. I've stuck around. I'm in Augusta. So um, kind of a, a smaller area. But I am currently a dermatology physician assistant. I've been doing that for the past five and a half years. Uh, I went part-time this past fall because I have a one and a half year old and I really wanted to be home with her more after working full-time for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my husband, who we met in high school, went to UGA together. um, He just finished residency this past summer. So he's a hospitalist. Oh, okay, cool. Like a little medical family. And um, so his schedule is kind of funky with working a week on, week off. So I also wanted more time with him. So that's kind of my my day job. On the side, I blog. I've been blogging for the past four years. 
for pre-PA students on a website called the PA Platform. And then over the past year, I've teamed up with some other mom friends and we've started a little online children's boutique. So I'm kind of a, I guess everyone says I'm like a side hustler. Like I don't, I can't sit still. <laughs> um, but I think my, my favorite job is definitely being a mom. And that's, that's been really fun. Awesome. Yeah, you do have a lot going on, like high school sweethearts who are both in medicine and then now like helping other people get into medicine and the side hustle of this clothing stuff. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) I like to do things and be busy. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So before we get to details of birth, I feel like we always have to know a bit what prenatal care was like. So tell us about your prenatal care. Did you have a physician or midwife? How did you feel about the care you received during your pregnancy? Okay. So I, um, well, first of all, we decided, I guess we'd been married for, oh gosh, five years and kind of decided it was time to have a baby. I got, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people who always had the fear of not being able to get pregnant. And so, you know, I think as women, we just always never, you never know. And um, very thankfully, it happened a lot quicker than I expected. Came kind of off my birth control pills, got pregnant. And at the time, I didn't even have an OB or GYN because we had, mine had switched practices and my insurance was no longer accepted. Um, And so I decided to, since my husband was in residency, all of our, my prenatal care was free because that was covered under his residency as long as I went to that hospital, which was amazing. Um, But I had to find someone. So I called and there were a few that I had, you know, heard great things about. um, And I decided to go with one doctor because he had the closest opening. um, But I'd never seen a male OB before. And I was a little kind of apprehensive about that. I ended up loving it and loving him. I I mean, I think he is awesome. So I think as far as prenatal care, you know, everything was pretty, pretty straightforward. I had a a fairly what I would call easy pregnancy. Uh Um, I was tired the first trimester, which a lot of people are. I didn't have a ton of sickness. I think I threw up maybe three times my entire pregnancy. But towards the end, in kind of my third trimester, about when I hit... 32 weeks. We went on a family vacation to the beach and I'd had a little bit of swelling, but after that trip and it was June, um, my swelling just got out of control. I mean, I was so, so swollen. Um, my husband said I had Shrek feet. I mean, it was, I was having to wear his shoes to work untied. Like it was bad. And so my swelling was kind of getting out of control, but, but I didn't have any other symptoms, really. And I mean, and I wasn't ever particularly uncomfortable, but I just had regular visits. Ultrasounds were fine. Um, We found out at 20 weeks that I was having a girl. My husband refused to go to the the early screening. (laughs) He wanted (laughs) additionally. So um, we found out we were having a girl, which was exciting. But as far as like pregnancy, prenatal care, Everything was pretty straightforward. Um, I would say I kind of had a textbook pregnancy. Okay, cool. And you saw the same person like throughout your pregnancy. Did you saw him for all of your visits? I did. Yeah, there were. And since it was a teaching hospital, there were a couple times where there was a student with him, which was a little bit unique. But I saw him the whole time. He did end up um, like I didn't get, I feel like there's a lot of talk about like checking the cervix now and stuff. And I only got checked once 
at 39 weeks. Um, and he did strip my membranes, which didn't work, but, um, did he, did he ask you before he did it? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it. Um, because being a derm PA, I had a clinic schedule and they had stopped my schedule at 40 weeks expecting I would have a baby. And because I was so swollen, everyone kept thinking, oh, shoot, you're going to you're going to go early. You're going to go early. I'm also fairly like a small person. I'm about five feet. And so I just had this big belly and a lot of swelling. And um, so as it got closer and closer to 40 weeks, we started having the conversations like, do we induce? What do we do? Nothing's I mean, I was when he checked me, I was about three and a half centimeters dilated. And so like there was some progress there. I was maybe having a few contractions here and there, but nothing too crazy. Um, there was one night around 38 weeks where I had a bunch of contractions within the hospital and nothing was really happening. It, they stopped after I drank some water. Um, but yeah, we talked about it and I said a few of my friends had had their membranes stripped. And so I was like, let's try it. Um, it wasn't, everyone says it's super painful. It was, I didn't think, I thought it was uncomfortable. I didn't think it was like crazy painful. Um, and that night I did have more contractions for about four hours, but by the next day they had stopped and again, nothing was happening. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we'll get to, I think you ultimately decided to get and to be induced. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that in just, in just a second. So when you were thinking about your birth, was there anything that you wanted in particular, any particular wishes that you wanted for your experience? Um, not, I mean, I'm a fairly laid back person. Um, and so really my only thought was just with outcome, like healthy baby, healthy mom, whatever it's going to take to get that I'm okay with. Part of me was kind of like, oh, it'd be so cool to do a natural birth and not have an epidural. But I was also, I I mean, I was very open to having an epidural and I ultimately did. Um, Maybe I think if I'd gone into labor on my own um, or progress more on my own, that might've been different, but I was just kind of open to that. I you know, was open to having a regular vaginal birth. I was also open to a C-section if necessary, but I wasn't necessarily wanting that. Um, I think, so when I was in PA school, I had a rotation that was a month on OBGYN. Um, And it was, we kind of had a record month of births. It was in October. And while I was there for four weeks, I saw 14 births. Yeah, they joked that about nine months before there had been this big ice storm in Georgia. <laughs> and I mean, it was crazy. So I saw a bunch of a bunch of C-sections, a bunch of vaginal births, good experiences, bad experiences. And so I think seeing that made me more open to just kind of realizing that no birth is alike and it's always going to be different. And then also being in medicine, sometimes you can know too much. And so I kind of wanted to like trust my OB, trust that they were making the best decisions for me as much as possible um, and just have conversations about making those decisions along the way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So did you do it? Did you read any books or do anything to prepare for your birth or you kind of just trusted what your OB was was saying and you felt like you could trust him? I trusted my OB, but I also I just talked to my mom friends Um, and I think I have, I just have a lot of friends. I was one of the last ones of my friends to have a baby. 
Um, and I feel like I had friends who had every different outcome. So I'd had friends who had gone into labor naturally and had natural births, ones who had gone into labor naturally and had epidurals, ones who had been induced and had vaginal births, ones who'd been induced and ended up with C-sections. I had all these different people that I could talk to about their Mm -hmm. own experiences. Um, And of course, I was in the mom groups on Facebook, but I feel like in there you have to take some of that with a grain of salt. Um, And so I liked hearing kind of the the personal experiences from my friends. um, And that kind of prepared me for, you know, this. There's a lot of different options here. There's a lot of different things that could happen. But I didn't there weren't any. I don't think I read, read any books or like watched any videos or anything particular. We did and we didn't do um childbirthing classes with my husband's schedule. It just wasn't possible. And so we kind of talked gotcha. about it, but um we were just like, no, we'll just we'll go for it. <laughs> and and obviously you guys felt comfortable with that approach. Yeah. 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 Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor, this message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. So let's talk about what your labor and your birth was like. Okay, so I had to like think back and try to remember everything. Because you really do forget. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so I'd seen my doctor at 39 weeks. Um, my due date was on the following Tuesday. I think that was like a Thursday. And that's when we had the conversation about do we just keep waiting or do we induce? Um, because I was not very excited about sitting at home with out a baby because my maternity leave was starting that following week. Right. And we have terrible uh, maternity leave policies in our country, but that's another discussion for that, another That day. is a whole other discussion. Yes. Um, and I may get into a little bit of that just because yeah, I planned please. to take, the way it worked out, because I was doing June, I'd planned to take 11 weeks off, come back the week of Labor Day. So it would be like a short week with just a couple of days and then start back full time the next week, um, which... And then they had come up with some issues at work where some people were saying I could do that. Some people were saying I needed to come back earlier. And we had to kind of clarify all of that. But essentially, it had to start that Monday. I mean, I offered to come in and just answer phones since I couldn't see patients. And they were like, right. no, you need to go on. You need to go on leave. So we talked about it, my husband and I. And my doctor, um, he had told us, you know, just text me if you when you make a decision. Let me know. And so we texted him and said, I think we want to move forward with getting induced. 
what does that look like? And he told us to come to the hospital Tuesday morning at, I think we had to be there at like 5 a.m. And so I actually, I mean, it would have been nice to go into labor on my own, but it was kind of also nice to have that deadline because the day before my husband was able to take off and um, we just enjoyed each other and kind of knowing that that was like the last day of just us was really cool. So we, we just went shopping, we got things ready, we went out to eat um, and kind of had that nice time together. And so um, we are very lucky to have both of our families in in town with us. And so they were able to um, kind of come to the hospital with me. So Tuesday, we all go to the hospital early in the morning. They get me all hooked up to things. So IV stuff and monitors and all that. Um, and I think, I guess the first thing they did was start some Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Cause you were already three centimeters. Dilated, yeah. So. And I think by then I was, I was four, like, I mean, okay. I dilated and like, I mean, I was, I was kind of going. So, um, they started the Pitocin. I started to get contractions fairly quickly. Um, like they were getting pretty steady after about an hour, I'd reached the point where, you know, I couldn't talk through them. I was, you know, when a contraction came, everyone in the room knew because I would get this look on my face and just kind of have to breathe and get through it. And that's when they said, all right, if you're going to do an epidural, now's the time. Um, And it's interesting, our situation, because we were in a teaching hospital and my husband knew a lot of the other residents. And in a teaching hospital, I actually really enjoyed having residents throughout my birth. Like oh, I was very supported. Um, I, I didn't allow medical students just because they like work with my husband. Um, but he's was in a different area. So I was fine with um, the residents. And so um, I. I, there was one in particular and she was amazing. Like I wish she could be my doctor all the time. Cause she, I just thought she was so great. Um, but between my husband, the nurse, and then two different anesthesiology residents, they all were like, listen, you can get an epidural now and choose not to use it. Like you don't have to do anything with it, but now's the time. Like if you don't get it now, it's going to be too late later on. Um, and so I kind of took their counsel and I was fine with it. So I got one. My epidural experience was fine. Like it really didn't hurt. Um, the only weird thing was right after I got it, I had this intense itching all over for about two minutes, um, which was bizarre. And they said that was part of, I guess, what they initially put in. Um, and I know like some people's, I guess, don't work well or too strong or whatever, but mine, I could still move my legs fully. I just couldn't feel everything that strongly. And okay, so, so that's the perfect epidural. It was perfect. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and, and the resident was the one who, who did it and he had an attending watching. Um, but yeah, so I got my epidural, was feeling good. About 30 minutes after I got my epidural, the nurse came in fairly quickly, and I could tell something was kind of off. The monitor sounded a little strange, and instantly she had these little walkie-talkie things. She got her walkie-talkie, and within one minute, there were four residents and an attending in my room. (laughs) What did that feel like for you? Like, was like, like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, something's happening. Like, I need to stay calm and. It was around lunchtime at that point because 
my my mom and mother-in-law had been hanging out in there with me in the room. My husband's in there and um, they had all just gotten their lunch, which of course I wasn't allowed to eat. And so they're all eating. And I, I looked at my husband. I said, can you can you clear the room? Um, and so he he asked our moms to step out. Um, so it was just me and him and all the residents. So essentially the baby's heart rate had been kind of going down with each contraction. Um, she was having some D cells. And so they repositioned me. They um, stopped the Pitocin. They got me, you know, on all fours, had me rolling from side to side, trying to get her, I guess, re- I don't know if they're repositioning her or what, but she did calm down. But they told me not to do any um, more boluses in my epidural, which I hadn't done any, but they weren't sure if, I guess, something like that messed with her. So everything was kind of fine from then. Um and then they kind of stopped all the meds. About an hour later, I told my husband, I was like, I think I don't think the epidural is working. Can you ask if I can bolus it? Like, it's not working. And the nurse came in and checked me, and she goes, "You're at you're at ten centimeters. Like, it's time." And so then they got. Um, I had a team. So my attending was kind of coming in and out, and he would come. Um, and then I had two to three residents in the room at a time. Um, and they were like the best coaches ever. They were awesome because they would be like, try this, like pull on this washcloth when you push. And um, so I started pushing by then. It was probably around like three or four o'clock. And so. Um, so wait, so it, from the time things started to when you were pushing was how many hours? So I got there at five. They they had broken my water at one point two. Okay, like right after the epidural or before I don't even remember. But so they I got there. They gave me pitocin. I think then they broke my water. I got the epidural once contractions got worse. Baby had heart rate stuff happening, and then um, so they stopped stuff. I became dilated to ten centimeters, and then I started pushing. Okay, so not even 12 hours? Oh, no. Yeah, it went very quick. Like, they said I went from 4 to 10 because they had checked me again. They said I went from 4 to 10 in, like, almost an hour. Like, it went really quickly. Right. And so they were kind of surprised, I think. But, yeah, so it was time to push. And, and I mean, I was was trying. I was pushing. Um, My my doctor, my OB, his shift ended at 5. Um, it's kind of interesting. His wife is also an OB at the same hospital. Oh, okay. And she was taking over after him. Um, and I had seen her for something at one point, but essentially he came in at five and was like, listen, I have to go pick up my three boys, but my wife's going to take over. You're in great hands. And I was like, okay, okay, that's great. Um, as long as somebody's with me. So she came in, um, a little kind of after five, we, we pushed some more, and, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't particularly painful. They said they could like see her head and everything. And, but around 630, I, I mean, it was evident that I was tired from pushing for about three hours. And so the doctor said, you know, at 645, she said, I want you to give me everything you've got for the next 15 minutes. And if we can't get her out, she's tired, you're tired. I think we need to go do a C-section. And I, I just looked at her and I was like, okay. And I think she was surprised. Like, I think she expected me to push back or like have questions or something. But I mean, I, I was tired. Like I really was. And, and so I did that. We pushed. She was 
trying to rip things open and all kinds of stuff and get that baby out, but she wasn't coming. So, um, we, and they said I was swelling a lot by then too, just from the pressure. Yeah. So we headed to the OR. Oh, did they talk about Mm -hmm. uh, forceps or a vacuum at all? I don't think she was even, I I don't think she was even close to far enough out for that. Um, I think she was kind of doing the turtle thing where like, head would come out and then like pop back in. Um, and so we went about, it was seven o'clock. We rolled to the OR and they kind of got me, you know, strapped to the table and everything. And, um, (laughs) I guess, so I kept asking questions and I don't know if it was because I was nervous or tired or the drugs they were giving me or what, but I kept talking to her, like the OB was doing it and the residents. And she was like, no one has ever spoken talk to me or ask me this many questions while I'm doing this. <laughs> um, and again, I think that comes with like knowing too much. Like when they started, once they got her out, once they started talking about like boggy uterus, I was like, Oh no, no. Um, but anyway, so the, whatever they, I guess, give you to paralyze you or whatever the anesthesia, um, that did mess with me. And I, I started feeling like I needed to vomit um, which I hadn't eaten all day, so there was nothing in there for me to throw up. But mm-hmm. the the anesthesia resident who was monitoring me was really great. He held a bag next to my head and let me just kind of dry heave into it. I would get, I got kind of like, I got really cold and was shivering. And so they would keep putting blankets on me. Um, I also, it, w- it was a little, I guess it was a strange sensation where I couldn't always feel things that much. And I, I started a bit anxious like I don't I can't feel anything like this is weird um and so he would he would kind of pinch my arms and I would I would barely feel it and he would say do you feel this do you feel this and I was like yeah I feel it well afterwards I had bruises all up and down my arms like he was pinching the heck out of me and I could barely feel it oh so yeah your anesthetic must have been a little bit high your level <laughs> been a little strong because I mean I was yeah um uh, yeah, I was, it was a weird, really weird feeling. Um, but they did the, the C-section. Um, when she came out, I think by that point, I was just delirious a little bit. But she she didn't cry right away. And so they took her and had to kind of rub her a little bit. And then she started crying. Um, but <laughs> my husband tells me that I said, there's a baby? I had a baby? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, that's my baby? Like, they were like, yes, you you just had a baby. Correct. Um, and so he came to me and told her, told me she was okay. And then I think the OB at one point said like, oh, this will look so nice when we do it again as she was stitching me up. And I said, nope, <laughs> which I take back now. But my husband's still holding it over my head. <laughs> um, and so at that point, my husband came and he said, you know, they want to take her and look at her. Are you, do you want me to stay with you or go with her? And I, I said, go with her, like, leave me, go with the baby. And so they were stitching me up. And I remember asking the anesthesiologist, I would say, can like, I'm so tired. Can I go to sleep? Will I wake up? Will I wake up? And he was like, yes, you can go to sleep. You'll wake up. Um, so as they were kind of finishing up and I do think, I think I was bleeding a good bit and, and kind of not, my uterus wasn't like firming up the way it should, so they had to give me some extra medicines. Um, but I I fell asleep and um, woke up in the recovery room. It was about about 9, 9.30, kind of when they got me in there and I got kind of woken back up. 
And, um, and that's when I got to meet, meet my baby, which my husband didn't want to give her to me. He, which was funny because he's very like apprehensive about having kids anyway. But like, I found out later, like he wouldn't let any of the grandparents hold her. And then I was like, can I hold her? And he's like, yes, but be very careful. Be very careful. I was like, (laughs) okay, like I will. That's my baby. Uh, Um, Her mother's. Yeah. yeah. He went into like protective dad mode instantly. Like the, the meaning of love at first sight, like that was them. And so anyway, but yeah, I got to, got to hold her and love her. Awesome. Awesome. So then, and were you in the hospital for two or three days? How was that afterwards? Yeah. So I went in on a Tuesday and I think I got discharged on Friday. Um, It was good. I will say that first night, the room they put us in, I guess they didn't know, but the air conditioning didn't work and it was the middle of June in Georgia. And so Um, you know, I was thinking I'm sweating because of hormones. I just had a baby. Like that's probably why I'm so hot. But then my husband was like, no, it's really hot in here. And so we called maintenance a lot. We were calling the nurses a lot and, um, they got us moved to a different room, but that was like a little hiccup. Um, but I felt really well supported. The nurses were wonderful. They came in, they were helping me, you know, learn how to breastfeed and just kind of, walking me through the steps of being a new mom and having a baby, but it really is crazy how much of that just kind of comes to you and you just, you do just know how to love the baby. So, um, so yeah, we were there by the second day I got, um, I mean, I was pretty sore. I was still very swollen. I got an, I guess they call it an abdominal binder. Uh, and that helped tremendously. Like until I love that thing I, after I had oh, C-sections. Yeah. yeah. Like it. one of my friends who had had one kind of told me about it and told me to ask for it. Um, before then, I was like hunched over like an old woman walking around. But as soon as I got that, it just kind of made my organs go into the right spots and gave me some support that my ab muscles couldn't do at the time. So that was, you know, life changing. And then, um, my mom helped me take a shower, (laughs) which was, it's like, I have a new baby and she's still taking care of her baby. Um, (laughs) but she helped, and that just made me feel like a new person. Um, but I was feeling great, honestly. Like I really didn't take any pain medicine past the first 24 hours. Pain medicine makes me feel wonky. And so I stuck to just Advil and Tylenol and just did those, I was excited to eat again um, after not being able to eat for a while. But yeah, it was great. And so we stayed there just until kind of everything had settled down. Um, I I don't know. I guess since it was my first one, they wanted to keep me at least two nights to make sure everything was good. Um, And then went home. We went home Friday by Saturday. I mean, I know not everyone does this, but like we went out to eat for Mexican for lunch. Oh, wow. And you took the baby with you? We did. Lord have mercy. Savannah. stayed in her carrier, all covered up. Um, (laughs) But I, yeah, we just, we went. And then um, the next Tuesday I went to Bible study. I I drove myself to Bible study. I didn't have any driving restrictions because I wasn't on pain medicine. And they were all like, why are you here? Um, But my husband had the baby and I was feeling good. Right. You're like, I'm trying to get my word in. So yeah, like I'm I'm great, y'all. And so they were all like, this is not normal. You should be like in pain or doing something. I was like, no, I'm good. Um, And so I kind of, we, we just fell into this new normal of it felt like the baby had been there forever and 
you know, we were, we were doing good. And I mean, yeah. So afterbirth was great. <laughs> okay. So then, a little while. then oh, yeah, that was good to say Then I know. So that immediate um, period was great, but then I know you had some, some complications after that. Yeah. So tell us about what happened. Okay. So I was still very swollen, um, which everyone said, you know, one day you're going to wake up and it's just going to be gone. It's going to go away. So I was kind of holding on to that. And um, so it was exactly two weeks after my C-section, the week of July 4th. And I, it was a Tuesday and I'd been feeling a little off, like maybe like I had a cold or something, um, which of course I'm like, I don't want to get the baby sick. And I was also feeling like maybe this is just exhaustion setting in, you know, I've been, haven't been sleeping as much as normal. That's what this is. But I woke up on Tuesday, just really not feeling good. I called my husband because he'd already gone to work at the hospital. And I said, you know, I just don't feel great. I, I feel like I have shortness of breath. Like I couldn't walk up the stairs and catch my breath. That was like a little bit alarming. Um, I felt like I couldn't take a deep breath. And so he was like, okay, we'll just lay low today. I'll, when I get home in a few hours, I'll check you, um, and just make sure everything's fine. But by that afternoon, I had developed a fever. And so um, I just felt awful. Like that day, I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't, um, I mean, I couldn't like watch TV. I couldn't look at my phone. I just sat there with the baby kind of in her little boppy next to me. And I would feed her when needed. And then she would sleep and I would sleep. Right. Oh, were you breastfeeding? I was. Okay. And so, um, so I called him back. I think it was like three o'clock and I said, I have a fever. And I was like sobbing because I was freaking out that I was going to pass something to my baby. Um, And he was like, listen, you had surgery two weeks ago. This doesn't sound normal. You need to come into the ER. And so I called my parents, um, luckily, and that they were able to come. And they came. My dad stayed at home with the baby. My mom took me to the hospital and I did not leave for four days. Oh, that was unexpected. Um, but I got there and my blood pressure was crazy. It was, and I didn't even think to check that at home. Like that wasn't even on my sure. radar. Right. Um, but my blood pressure, I think it was like 190 over 97. Like it oh, was, ooh. it was not good. <laughs> um, which my baseline before I got pregnant was like, and even now is like a hundred over 60. Like it's really low usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's probably part of why I felt awful. Um, so they, at first, when I first went to check in at the ER, they're like, you probably just have a cold. And I was like, I don't think so. And so then they sent me up to the, the GYN floor cause they actually have their own kind of separate emergency area for OB patients, which is cool. So they admitted me, started doing all kinds of tests. My concerns at the time were like, do I have a pulmonary embolism? Um, do I have, you know, endocarditis or myopathy? Like what's something's not right. And so pretty So your your medical brain was yeah. in. It's like Yes. And blood clot, what's going on with my heart? Like what's going on? Yeah, like something's not working. Um, and so they did they checked my veins in my legs for clots, didn't see anything. They did a CT, um, didn't see anything. Um, my husband was actually on cardiology, so he came with his team and they did an echo and my heart looked fine. And so ultimately 
everything was working fine. I was just still very swollen and having these blood pressure issues. And so they were basically called it postpartum preeclampsia. And I mean, my OB said it, they see it, you know, once or twice a month. Um, And he was, he was like, I'm so glad you came in. Like if you hadn't, we probably would have found you seizing at home. Um, And that's why, I mean, I think it's hard sometimes for us to listen to our bodies and like, it's just, it's better to get checked out than to not. And so even though I didn't want to go in, it was a good thing. So at that point, it was a little difficult because Usually the treatment for preeclampsia is delivering the baby, which I had already done. And so they gave me Lasix um, at night and I overnight lost 10 pounds of fluid. The, the before and after pictures are amazing. Like I bet, I bet. And for guys, um, Lasix is a um, what's called a diuretic medicine. It just makes you pee like crazy. Oh yeah, they're having me monitor. I mean, it was like liters and liters. It was crazy. Um, but I felt so much better just having that off. Um, but my blood pressure was still high. Um, so they decided to give me magnesium for 24 hours. And I just, if anyone has ever had magnesium, I feel for you. And I can't even imagine having it pregnant because it was miserable. I mean, it, it basically from how it was explained to me is like the ultimate muscle relaxant. And so (laughs) I, they started it and everything was fine. They told me I might start feeling a little weird by about four o'clock. I, I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, this is not, I don't feel normal. I couldn't lift my hands. I was having to make myself swallow, pretty much make myself breathe. I'd had to ask for a catheter because I couldn't make myself go to the bathroom. I, my mom and one of my best friends were switching off, kind of being there with me and helping me they would hold my breast pump on for me and pump my milk because I I literally couldn't hold it. And so this is where I learned to advocate for yourself. Um, And this is not something that I'm very good at, but my friend who was with me, her name's Emma and we were college roommates. She is amazing. And she would tell, like she would call the nurses. She would be like, listen, we need to see a doctor now. Like, Or can you check her levels? Like, this is not normal because I just wasn't in a place to do that for myself. And so ultimately they checked my mag level and it was getting, it was like at 13. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was. Guys, that's high. Y'all, that's real high. It should be like between six and eight. Right. It was way too high. Um, And I was supposed to be on it for another like six hours. So as soon as that came back, they stopped it. And I mean, I went back to feeling normal, but I mean, I was at the point where I felt like if this keeps going, I will not be able to breathe. Like that's about to shut down (laughs) very soon. Um, And so, yeah, magnesium is not my friend. Um, But, and that's part of like, I think it was very scary for like my friend and my husband who was coming to see me and my mom, like they were, it was very scary to see me like that. Um, like they said, I just looked completely drunk, like my head lost, like I couldn't hold my head up, my eyes just kind of drooping and yeah, just very scary. So ultimately that happened. My blood pressure went down a little bit, but I was still having fevers. And so, um, one of the OBs came and kind of really, really pushed on my abdomen and she was like, you're way more tender than you should be. And so they wanted to treat me for endometritis. 
and just like having an infection. Um, so I started antibiotics and within 24 hours, I was a new person. Like I was back to normal, ready to go. Um, the nurses who had seen me when I first came in versus then were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You, I mean, have completely, like, I wouldn't think you were sick. So everything, I mean, it turned out fine. My baby never came to the hospital. I would pump milk and send it home for her. But just I I didn't see a reason for her to be there. Yeah, sure. Possibly getting sick if if anything was going around. So um, my husband, his mom, and my dad kind of took shifts with her. And then my mom stayed with me in the hospital the whole time. And my friend Emma switched off with her. Um, so, I mean, I was <laughs> – they took care of me. They were very sweet. My other friend, Abby, like went home and made like a little footprint thing for my baby and brought it to me. Because um, that was very hard to be away from her. Absolutely. After. I mean, I, and it, once I got home, it almost felt like I restarted my maternity leave and we were right back to where we started. Um, I will say, and I didn't mention this before, right before I went in the hospital, we were having a lot of trouble nursing. Like I couldn't get her to latch. I was getting frustrated. She was getting frustrated. Um, I had a lactation consultant come to my house and she was so great. And I mean, if it wasn't for her, I would have given up. Right. right when we started to like get it is when I had to go back in the hospital. Oh um, but as soon as I got home, like everything was normal. Like she did great. She latched. Every, my milk supply was great. And we just kind of rocked and rolled from there until I kind of lost my supply around seven months when I was working and pumping. But but yeah, so. Did you have to pay for that lactation consultant or was it? So actually when I was when I gave birth, the lactation consultant they had on staff was on vacation. Um, after I went in the second time, the baby wasn't there with me. I went and saw the one at the hospital and that one was provided. But like when I went, of course she did great. And it looks like we didn't have any issues, but then um, we were still just not, not connecting. And I mean, it was such small things that we needed to fix, but she, I think she filed with my insurance, but I think they denied it. And so I just paid out of pocket, but it, it. it was worth it. I mean, I think it was like $180, but it was, I would do it again. Like worth every penny. Yes. <laughs> okay. 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 And did you have to go home on blood pressure medicine at all? They never started me on a blood pressure medicine. And by then it had, it had come down a lot. And so, um, yeah, I, and I, that's kind of interesting to me. I guess I would have thought that they would have started. I did have. Sometimes we have to. Sometimes we. Yeah. Okay. Depends. Yeah. And so I just. Yeah. They didn't send me home. I think I was still on Lasix when I went home for a few days. Um. But that was that was really it. Okay. So I guess looking back on your whole experience, like, how do you feel about it? I think I had a great pregnancy and I think I had a great birth experience. Um, the postpartum stuff was unexpected um, and it's made, I think I've gotten past it. It's made my husband very apprehensive about another pregnancy. Really? Because he had to kind of watch me go through that. I also ended up getting mastitis at six weeks. And so my OB would joke like you did pregnancy so great and birth so great, but like you can't handle postpartum. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have no, no complaints really as far as the care I was given. Um, and I think like pregnancy is just such a weird thing. And it, it taught me that you have to, 
I'm a very controlling person and there's you have to so give much, all, yeah, yeah, there's no like control. There's so much you can't control in pregnancy and I had to learn how to do that and be okay with that. Um, which I think was good for me. I think that has kind of carried forward with me a little bit. Um, just learning that sometimes I don't need to be in control of everything. Um, but yeah, if I have another baby, I probably will just have a scheduled C-section. If she couldn't come out, like she couldn't come out of my due date. So I'm glad I didn't wait longer to get induced or to try to go into labor naturally. Cause I don't think she would have come out had I waited. Um, and I think she was like six pounds, five ounces okay. on my due date, um, which was smaller than they were expecting. And so, um, but yeah, but I think if I have, if I have another one, which I would like to, I will probably just do a scheduled C-section. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you want to have another one, but your husband is maybe like, I don't know. <laughs> He's thinking about it. <laughs> He's like, just give me time. Just give me time. But, <laughs> yeah. He says, you know, you always get what you want, right? And I was like, yeah. There you Great go. <laughs> hey so you made it this far in the episode and i'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast well if that's the case then i have a favor to ask creating and producing the all about pregnancy and birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life i'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources, from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up, and that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. So just to wrap up, if you had to think about like one most important piece of advice that you would give to other women as they get ready for their birth and getting ready to become a mom, what would that piece of advice be? I think just watching myself go through pregnancy and birth and watching a lot of my friends, um, I think it's so valuable to research and know your options, but also be flexible and and make sure you have a team of people that you do trust, whether that's your OB or midwife or doula or whoever who can kind of help to guide you. And just know that there's so many unexpected things in pregnancy and birth and postpartum um, that you you have to be an advocate for yourself and your health, but also just really kind of trusting those people to help you along the way. Um, I think it can be hard when people are very 
like want something so badly to go a certain way. And this is just not a situation where that always happens. Um, and then I've, I've just seen that in a lot of friends lead to frustration and um, kind of sadness when this is like such a happy time. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was just so happy to hold my baby no matter if I had, you know, stitches in my belly or not. It just, it didn't matter to me because she was there and she was, ha- she was healthy and happy. And I was too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm still like, I can't get over your magnesium level. Like I'm just, I know, like, that's what, yeah, I don't know what would have happened if they didn't stop it, honestly. Right. <laughs> like, and I kind of almost wish my family had taken a video of me so I could see, cause I remember how it was, but I mean it, yeah, it kind of was shocking. And I, I thought, I guess I thought they like monitored that regularly or I don't know. <laughs> we we do like we sh- we check things like your reflexes and some indicators to see like if people are getting toxic on magnesium. And I will say folks, most people do not have issues with magnesium and getting at this level, but clearly you were showing signs that you you do or you did. Well, rather. and so it was yeah, and also like and I don't know how much this contributed, um but it was July 4th like week when I was in the hospital. So uh, a brand lot new of residents, people, brand new folks, brand, brand new residents. They, they initially sent in a med student to um, check my reflexes after I'd been on the magnesium for a while. And he was like, can you just swing your legs over the side of the bed so I can check your reflexes? And I mean, the look I gave him, it was a death stare. I was like, like stop no, it. I was like, no, I cannot. And my friend Emma was like, can you please go get the attending? Like, I'm so sorry. But like, and so he tried to kind of check my reflexes with my legs flat on the bed. And I was like, you, I don't think you've ever, like, I think this is your first time touching a real patient. Right, right. And so again, just like advocating, asking things. But they also, because of the July 4th holiday, were like doing a lot of inductions and scheduled C-sections. So the hospital was like at capacity. So I think a lot of those things kind of, played into it. But, um, but yeah, my, my level, like they were, they were pretty, pretty ridiculous, honestly. Yes. Yeah. That is pretty, pretty high. So, but it was crazy when they turned it off and I just went completely back to normal. I mean, that was very weird. Yeah. I bet. I bet. I can see why your husband probably has some reservations if he saw how you were. So yeah, he was not happy with it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. All right. So where can women connect with you if they want to, you know, if they're interested in becoming a PA or physician's assistant, or they um, want to look at your clothing site, where can women connect with you? Sure. Um, So my PA stuff is the PA platform.com. And on my Instagram, I post a good bit about family stuff and my baby stuff and being a working mom and all that. So, Oh, sure. What's your Instagram? It's at the PA platform. Okay. And we'll link to that in the show notes, of course, all of this stuff. Follow me there. And then if you want to see our our baby clothes, which is, it's so much fun and has given us like this creative outlet, which is awesome. Um, It's at bowandgal.com. So like B-E-A-U and gal.com. And we have a Facebook group and stuff. Just it's it's fun to dress babies. <laughs> More fun awesome. than dressing myself. So <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Savannah, for coming on and sharing yes, your story. You I really appreciate me. it. Thank you so much. Well, all right. Wasn't that a great story? I'd love to hear what you think about the episode in the Facebook group. I have a 
free Facebook group for those of you who don't know. It's called All About Pregnancy and Birth. It's a great place for us to connect after the episode and continue the conversation. You can search for it on Facebook, All About Pregnancy and Birth. And of course, I'll link to it in the show notes. And it's just a great place to connect with me and my community manager, Keisha, who's a doula. And then really the best part is the women in the group. So definitely check that group out. All right, you know after every episode, I do something called Nicole's Notes where I do my top three or four takeaways from the interview. So let's get into Nicole's Notes from this first story episode with Savannah. All right, number one, and this is a bit more of a rant, but the way our maternity leave system in this country works is just embarrassing. It's a shame that Savannah had to go ahead and schedule her induction because she didn't want to lose any days of her maternity leave, you know, while waiting to deliver. We just have awful maternity leave policies in this country and they are so much worse when you compare it to countries that have similar resources, we really should be embarrassed by the way we treat women and parents really after birth. And this is one of the reasons why I try to remain active in politics in the sense that I advocate for reproductive rights and and health issues at the local, state, and federal level because it's really going to take policy changes at those levels in order to improve maternity care in this country. So that's just my little bit of a plug to pay attention to things that happens for women's reproductive rights and making sure that we advocate for the things that women need and extended maternity care that's paid leave or extended maternity leave rather that's paid leave should be something that we should all work towards for sure. Okay, that's the end of my rant on that. All right, my second takeaway is, again, the importance of just listening to your body and going in if something is wrong. You know, one of the things that has gotten a lot of buzz in the news and a lot of coverage, and it should be, is maternal mortality and how that is rising in the U.S. and how there are significant racial disparities and black women have a maternal mortality rate that is three to four times that of white women. And one of the things that people don't necessarily know is that a full 60% of maternal mortality actually happens after birth. And that's just not something that a lot of people realize that a lot of this maternal mortality actually happens after birth. So I want you to go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash warning signs, and you can grab a free guide that you can download warning signs to look out for after birth, just to make sure you know what to be on the lookout for, what you need to call for. So grab that free guide, ncrcoaching.com forward slash warning signs, and I'll link that up in the show notes as well. And then the third takeaway from this episode is Savannah talked about how she was in a teaching hospital and she was there in the early part of July. And that is a time when there are new medical students, there are new resident physicians. And I'll be honest, there's kind of mixed um, research on whether or not that has an impact on the quality of care that people receive. Some studies show that rates of things like medication errors go up or surgical errors go up. Some studies show that there hasn't been a difference. So I'm saying that to be honest and say, of course, you need to advocate for yourself 
all the time, but sometimes in situations when you're in a teaching hospital, you may need to advocate for yourself a little bit harder to ask for someone who has more experience if you feel like the person that you're talking to, the student, the resident, isn't giving you what you need or you have some concerns about the care that you are receiving. All residents and medical students are always supervised by what's called an attending physician. So an attending physician is someone who's completed their training and they're able to practice on their own. So if you are ever in a teaching hospital and you have medical students, you have residents, of course, I say, you know, if you can help them to learn and be better doctors, please do so because we all have to learn. I'm not saying for you to be a guinea pig or anything like that, but if you can participate in medical education and helping people learn, great. But if you have some concerns, then for sure, ask for a more senior individual. And I have another resource you can download if you happen to be in a teaching hospital. That's ncrcoaching.com forward slash med hyphen students. And that just gives you a list of questions you can ask about how medical students and residents will be involved in your care during your birth. So you can grab that free downloadable guide as well. All right, so that is it for this episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen to it. And uh, if you feel so inclined, please leave me a review in Apple Podcast in particular. Number one, I love, 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 love reading reviews. Love hearing what you think about the show. It always just warms my heart and gives me the energy I need to just keep making this podcast. And it also helps other women to find the show and helps the show to grow. So leave me that review in Apple Podcast if you don't mind. I appreciate it. And then of course, I'll leave you a shout out on a future episode. Also, if you want to share your birth story on the podcast, I'm definitely looking for more women to share their birth story. The only requirement is that your birth has to be in a hospital. So you can go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash birth story and fill out the form because I would love to have you come on and share your birth story on the podcast. Now, next week on the podcast, I'm kind of answering sort of a hodgepodge of questions that I get that aren't long enough for a complete episode. They require sort of short answers. So I'm going to put a few of those together in the episode next week. So come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway Rankins. Head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the birth preparation course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more.